Isn't it something to hear those words read uh, this morning? Thank you for that reading. Thank you for that reading. Very good. Powerful, powerful words. We have uh, been sharing this journey through the season of Advent. You'll see the candles that are lit here. All four candles lit now. We make our way uh, here to this fourth Sunday in the season of Advent. Hope, peace, joy, and this morning, love. We wait in anticipation for these things that we know now in part, but will know fully. We anticipate, we prepare our hearts for the coming of Christ, even though we know He has come, we anticipate that He is coming again, finally in the end, and that in every moment we sit in anticipation of the coming of Jesus into our world. This is the season of Advent, a season of anticipation, a season of longing, a season of waiting. Hear this passage, the full passage from the Gospel of John. Chapter 1, verse 14 verses. Hear now the word of the Lord. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him, and without Him, not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life. And the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light, so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or the will of man, but of God. And the Word became flesh and lived among us. We have seen His glory, the glory as of a Father's only Son, full of grace and truth. Let's uh, open our hearts and give thanks as we receive the Word of God for us today. God, we thank You for Your Word. These words that we receive penned in this holy book, but the word that has become flesh and dwelt among us, we give you thanks for your living word. May it reside deeply within us and among us today by your spirit, that you might open our eyes, that you might enlighten our minds and our hearts, that you might might draw us more deeply into light and love, and grace upon grace upon grace. 
we pray in the name of the Word become flesh. Jesus. Amen. Word became flesh. Can you imagine that? The Word of God hidden. The Word of God who was not seen only revealed in glimpses. The people of God being led out of bondage into a new life with hope and a future with hope. Being led forward by a cloud by day and a pillar of fire at night. What was that like? God's presence just out there on the horizon each new morning. Families rising, peering out. Oh, where is it? There it is. There God is. And at night, the sun begins to set, and we face the darkness, looking out ahead to see, where is it? Oh, there it is. I see it there, just on the horizon. And it grows brighter and brighter and brighter. Have you noticed the moon these last few days? In these long, dark nights, the big brightness of the moon, like that. Can you imagine families? being led out of Egypt into God's future, straining to see each new morning? Did, did they know where to look? What did it look like? Did it appear all of a sudden at once, or did it gradually appear? Did it appear early in the morning? Did it appear late at night? Cloud by day, pillar of fire by night, a sense of God's presence, but only a glimpse. Only a glimpse. The God who... Moses, to whom Moses said, um, God, show me your glory. Show me your glory, I pray. And the God who in response to Moses' request said, I will make my goodness pass before you. I love that phrase. Just sit with that phrase. Oh God, just make, we could just have a sense of your goodness. I will make my goodness Pass before you, but but you cannot see my face. See that place over there uh, in the rock, the cleft that that little cut out in the rock. Go stand over there, and I'll place my hand over the cleft in the rock and cover you, and I will pass by. And after I have passed by, I will remove my hand. And you can look out from the cleft in the rock and see, as I have passed by, a glimpse of my glory. But you cannot see my face. Can you imagine that? Oh God, I long to see something of your goodness. God, you know how much we need to see something of your goodness. And God says, I want you to know my goodness, but you cannot see my face, but I'll give you a glimpse of it. A glimpse of my glory, a glimpse of my goodness. The God who was hidden, not seen, only known in glimpses, now seen. The Word become flesh. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that the God who formed the earth and all that is in the earth is the God whose form we could not touch. The untouchable, untangible God 
who reached down and from the dust of the earth formed human life. The God who appeared to Moses in a burning bush. And when Moses approached, God said, whoa, right there. Take off your shoes because the ground where you're standing The God we long for and are drawn toward, who in God's holiness is yet untouchable, unknowable. Take off your sandals. The God whose glory was too radiant for the prophet, so that when they came close to a sense of the fullness of God's glory, of God's radiance, they could only fall down before God. On their knees, face to the ground, and say, whoa, it's me. I am a person of unclean lips. I live among a person of unclean lips. My eyes have beheld your glory, and it's too much. I can't. I can't. The God whose hands formed the creation, but whose form we could not take in, is now held by human hands. And that doesn't just like blow your mind. It just blow your mind. The God who formed from the dust of the earth all things, whose form we could not approach or touch or draw near because it's too much. Now, that God who formed all things held by human hands. Can you imagine? The Word became flesh, yes, and dwelt lived among us. And the God who in the beginning formed us, not just all things, but formed us from the dust, leaned over to breathe life into us. To breathe life into us. Who formed us, who gave us form, but yet without the breath of God, no life who leaned over to breathe life into us. The God who, when God's people, the people of God collectively, were lifeless and dry and desolate in a valley of dry bones, they were like a valley of dry bones, who came from the four winds and breathed life into God's people collectively. The God who comes to God's own people today who are dry and desolate and weary and tired and flabbergasted and exhausted and put out, leans over to breathe life into God's own people. The God who formed us and breathed life into us now, in this moment, imagine, draws in breath. It should blow your mind. It should fit in that category of things that you say, I don't understand it. It's a mystery. It's beyond me. It's almost unimaginable. And yet, here it is. The Word of God became flesh and blood and breath and dwelt and lived among us. We have seen His 
glory. Can you imagine that? The implied answer is, I could hardly imagine. It is one of those moments, I spoke about this last week, my granddaughter, Lorelai, who has learned to point at the Christmas tree and other twinkly things, twinkly lights, and say, oh, wow. Oh, wow. That moment of wonder and astonishment. Oh, wow. Advent worship is learning to say again the oh, wow. The oh, wow. I think about what it must have been like for those who first peered into this reality, who looked into the face of God becoming flesh. And I wonder about how aware they were, how sensible they were about what was happening among them. About the wonder that they might experience. I wonder about this, especially in regards to Joseph. Mary, who birthed this child into the world. That's a big oh wow. And then Joseph, who received this child as his son. Another, oh wow. I ponder this from time to time, and several years ago I was reflecting on this reality, and um, I don't know if you know this about me, but from time to time, words uh, form verse, and verse is formed into song. So I penned this little song and this little melody, captured the wonder of that moment for Joseph, at least my imagination goes like this. Brace yourself, I'm about to sing for you. What did you feel that night? The Holy Son of God became as your own flesh and blood to hold. And what did your mind conceive when deity met humanity and all Heaven bowed to see God come near to us, draw near to us, and hold us as tightly as these tiny fingers hold close to mine. God come near to us. Draw near to us and hold us as tightly as these tiny fingers hold close to mine. Can you imagine Joseph, tiny little finger wrapped around his own instinctively, the hand of God. should blow your mind. The Word of God became flesh and blood and breath and life and made its dwelling among us and we have seen its glory. How do you even begin to imagine? I had this moment, maybe you've had a similar moment like the one I'm about to describe. In, well, I'm not going to say where because then you'll start trying to count years. 
But when our first child was born, our oldest daughter, Claire, she was born in Wichita Falls. And we went to the hospital. And back there, having a baby at the hospital was different, I'll just say. Back then, way back then in the olden days, it was a little bit different. Then. And so we went, and we went into a room, and, um, you know, for the labor part of the experience, I'll just say that. We were waiting there, and then when it came close to time, when the baby was going to be delivered, they were going to move us to the delivery room. There wasn't a labor and delivery room. It was a labor room, and then they wheeled her into the delivery room, and they had me put on the full, this is, I think this is different, put on the full blue gown and scrubs and the mask and all that and, and go in there into the labor room. And Claire was born, and we had that time together, and it was still in the labor room and all that, and then they turned to me and said, okay, we're going to take her now to uh, another room, yet a third room, which was where you go after you have the baby. And said, so why don't you go back to the first room and gather up all your things and then move them. We'll be moving you all to this other room. And so I went back to that first room and the lights were off and it was dark in there and there was a window. And I was still in my blue scrubs and so I was going to change out of those and gather up all our things. And so I, I sat down in a chair. I remember it. I came in the door. The chair was to the right. The window was across from me. It was dark and the lights were off in the room and I just collapsed into the chair and I sat there and I was overcome in that moment. And the words that kept coming to me in that moment, you know, when the adrenaline finally lets down, the words that kept coming to me in that moment were the, I don't deserve this. I don't deserve this. I don't deserve this. It was an overwhelming sense of the unmerited gift of God in life. It may register for some of you. That's my experience of I don't deserve this. I don't deserve this. This gift of life is beyond me. I could not have prepared myself for it. I could not have anticipated it. And trust me, the subsequent years proved that out, that we were not ready for it. I don't deserve this. Listen, the Word of God, can you imagine? The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of... grace and truth. And yes, light, John said came from the Father full of grace upon grace upon grace. I knew what grace was. I had grown up in church like many of you, hearing, learning about grace. People talk about grace. In the church I grew up in, it wasn't um, a favorite word. <laughs> but I knew what grace was. But I didn't know anything of what grace was until that unmerited favor, undeserved gift of love in life. Grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. It's pure gift. 
That's it, isn't it? When we stop to imagine these words from John, we start to sit with them for a while and let them breathe a little bit in our midst, let them resonate among us. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen the glory, the glory of the Father, full of grace and truth. We let those words sit with us for, for a while. We begin to realize that at the center of it, at the core of it, is this, this, this pure gift of grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. The grace we behold in the coming of Jesus is the, is the gift that we receive in ordinary moments. The grace we behold in the face of Jesus. Let me invite you in these last few minutes to think some about what that is, the grace that we behold in the face of Jesus. The grace that we behold in the face of Jesus. Is the life of God born into the world in vulnerability? Vulnerability. At the beginning place for grace and for the fullness of God's life and love to be born into the world in the coming of Jesus, the Christ child, is in vulnerability. God relinquished in Jesus control for dependency, the care of the creation for the creator. Unless you think Jesus changed his own diaper. No. Vulnerability. He came in humility and he came in weakness and he came emptying himself for the sake of the world. He came in vulnerability and in every place where we stand in anticipation and we strain to look and see and know the coming of God into the world, we should know that the place to look are these places of vulnerability. This grace that we behold in the face of Jesus comes in vulnerability and through vulnerability reveals to us what love is. We don't just believe that God came in Jesus so that he could grow up to be an expert teacher so that we could get all of our learning straight. Now, he taught us some things. Yes, we cherish the teachings of Jesus. But we don't just think that. We don't think that, well, if you hang on, really all this angels in the night sky and shepherds and all of that, Jesus being born in a manger is all just prequel so that we could get to the main thing, which is when Jesus starts to teach them and set them all straight. No, but that there's something inherent in how Jesus lived his life, even as a, a one-day-old. And as he grew up and lived and moved, and yes, spoke and taught, but more than that, he embodied the essence of God's love in and through his vulnerability. He came to embody love. He wept with the brokenhearted. He sat with the outcast. He ate with sinners and reprobate. He fed the hungry. He healed the sick in every way and in every moment. He sought to embody in his person and in his actions what the love of God is. 
maybe somewhere along the way, we've thought that this idea of being a disciple of Jesus is really just about making sure that you get all the teaching right. And whatever you do, don't get it wrong. And if you get it right, make sure that you're faithful to it and that that's the sum total of it. Did you know that you could give yourself over to the study of the teachings of Jesus and the commandments of God and all the instruction contained in Holy Scripture? You could give your life to it. You could become a scholar even. Heaven forbid we have more. He says in self-effacing way. <laughs> you could get all that right and embody the exact opposite of the essence of who Jesus was. Have you ever seen that happen? Someone who is so profound in their understanding, but in their spirit and in their actions contradict the very nature of Jesus? Could you imagine that there would be churches like this? There's no way you've ever known churches like that. That are committed to getting the teachings and the instructions right, but in the way they treat each other, <laughs> you go, the Spirit of Jesus is not in any of that. And the way that they treat their neighbors, even their enemies, there's no embodiment of the love of God born into the world in the vulnerability of, of the Christ child and demonstrated in the entirety of his life. Look, the grace we behold in the face of Jesus, if this Advent season is really, it's really about stopping in the middle of the rush of everything else and learning to reclaim the, oh wow, of God come near to us in a child, then maybe the grace we behold in the face of Jesus, the Christ child come into the world, is that the goodness of God and the life of God and the love of God comes in vulnerability and it's embodied in who we are and how we live. The grace we behold in the face of Jesus reveals the love of God, which is a love that has infinite capacity. It has no beginning and it has no end. The good definition for unconditional love has no beginning and has no end. We were uh, able to travel this last week up to have a holiday dinner with our friends that I've told you about before. Remember the book called The Commitment and that little community of friends that I described? Some of you will remember that. And I may have shared with you that every holiday season we gather back in Wichita Falls. Quite a drive from here, by the way. <laughs> 1300 Buchanan Street, Wichita Falls. And our dear hostess, Carol, welcomes us all and we gather around the table, 1300 Buchanan. And it's as if we've never been apart and it fills the deepest part of us and we say to each other the words that we've learned to take up, I love you and I always will. Try that. You, you often say, I love you to people, right? I love you. I've started this, this notion when I was embracing them, and I think I've shared with you that one of them has been diagnosed with 
cancer and is in the midst of cancer treatment. It was our first time to put our arms around her in person. And she has the most beautiful voice. Her name is Laura. She has the most beautiful voice. And we're a musical group. We, we sing together a lot. And at every one of those dinners, we have sung a blessing. This, the same blessing. We, we sang it at our daughter's, each other's kids' weddings. We sing it over them at the wedding. We, it, it shows with us everywhere we go. When we're together in the mountains, we sing this. Uh, uh, some of you are thinking, he's going to sing again. I'm not going to sing again. But we, we, we stood, the four of us who sing together over the rest, we stood up to sing, and she said, it's the first time I've sang since the diagnosis. Put our arms around each other, and we say, I love you. And then, for me, it's a moment, phase, and then the words, and I always will. It has no beginning, and it has no end. It is infinite. It is eternal, meaning that that love that I experience in relation to someone else was there before I knew it. Think about that. Some of you have young children, and there are moments when you, you're sure, I'm not sure I like this one, but you love them. You love them. And probably one of the deepest experiences of, of love that you have in your life is in relationship to your children. Did you know that that love, the depth of that love, was there before you knew it? It existed before you knew it, and it will exist long after you are conscious in this world to recognize it. It's infinite, the love of God. Now, what I'm doing is I'm pointing you to a little bit of a, a mysterious metaphysical reflection about how God was before all things and then came into the midst of it and then ascended and exists far beyond it, that this love that we describe and know in Jesus, that when we light the fourth candle and we say, there is hope and there is peace and there is joy in the coming of God in Jesus, and then we say there is love, what is that? Well, it is that which goes before we were even aware of it, and then we are brought by the grace of God into consciousness, a recognition of it, and we live into the fullness. I love you. This love existed long before, and I always will. It is infinite. Scripture uses language like this. That this love, we cannot escape from the deepest depth. I don't even know how far down you have to go if it's the deepest depth, to the highest heaven. That's how far the love of God. From as far as the east is from the west, so we're going to do the vertical, and we're going to do the horizontal. As far as the east is from the west, did you know, I'm sorry if there's some flat earthers in here, but let me tell you, the circumference of the world is round. And if you go traveling in one direction, east, and you keep going, 
you will eventually get to west, and it never ends. The love of God is like this. It's like this. And the reason I'm taking a little bit of time right here to unpack this and to sit with, uh, to invite us to sit in this moment is because I believe that it's the deepest desire of our heart. It's when we talk about these things and we attach them to our experiences, it moves us. It's because it's the deepest desire of our heart. It's the deepest longing of our hearts. It is what is at the center or the seat of our being. To love and to be loved and to live in the symbiotic relationship of those two realities. To love and to be loved. Why so much of the experience of pain that we have in this life is tied to the absence of that. It's because it matters because it's most important and it's at the center of who we are. And it's at the center of how we understand who God is. This is how we know what love is. That Jesus Christ came and lived among us and died for us and we too also ought to love each other. First John. It's at the center of our being to freely give and receive love that is unconditional and unbounded. And our life's work from beginning to end is to unpack that reality. It is not any more complicated than this. And it's why relationships matter, and it's why God has not called individuals to follow Him but he's called people into community, into relationship with each other to follow him because it's only there in the context of relationship that we can know God in this way whose love is infinite. It has no beginning and it has no end and we are awakening by God's grace. We are awakening to the reality of God's love. It's the work of the Spirit and to the extent that we love and hold up the Word of God it, this is merely the tool God has given us to point us into that reality, more deeply into that reality. Grace upon grace upon grace. Listen again. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace, truth, and that grace keeps moving towards us even in the midst of the mess of life. It keeps coming. Grace upon grace. Even against all that conspires against love. Do you know that there's a conspiracy against love? And yet God's Infinite love, which knows no beginning and knows no end, keeps coming towards us. So look, in these next few days, um, you are going to make your way towards a moment where we'll stop and say, oh, there it is. Christ is coming. Jesus is coming. 
You're going to unwind. Some of you, how many of you are out of school? No more school next week. No school. Yes. <laughs> yes. You're going to unplug from your work and your everyday rhythms this next week at some point. Some of you may work right up to it. Um, we are going to unwind, and in that unwinding, my prayer for us is that we're carrying these words with us that remind us that the love of God has come into the world long before us and stretches long after us. And in the gift of Christ, we see a glimpse of glory. I'm going to ask you next Sunday, those of you who are in town and here for worship, how many of you did this assignment? I want you, when you wake on Christmas morning, to simply say, oh, what? You need to make a note about that, or if you want the church to send you a reminder, we will do an email or something. <laughs> but when you wake on Christmas morning, because you know what? Um, I feel like I'm about to start a whole other sermon, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to try not to. Um, there's a reason. Do you remember the, that moment when you were a child? I mean, because you can't remember all the way back, but you can remember way back, right? So when you have memories of a child of Christmas morning, do you, do you remember that feeling of, uh, of astonishment? Yes, we all do. You know what that taps into? You, you know where that comes from? It comes from this wonder that God has placed deep within us. This, this longing for a love that is greater than us, that stretches long before we ever knew of it, and extends into eternity. So, on Christmas morning, my challenge for you is to remember this is when you wake up, and you may not experience, you know, like the children do when they get up and they go down the hall to see what's happened overnight. You may not experience that the same way you did when you were little. I hope I'm not, I hope I'm not speaking out of It just occurs to me. That you may not experience it in the same way. I'll just say that. Um, so instead, when you wake up, Allow your heart to turn full towards the God who became flesh and dwelt among us in the Christ child. And the first words you speak on Christmas morning, let them be, oh wow. Word, flesh, glory, grace. These are the words of God for us today. Let's get back. Oh God, we stand in wonder and amazement of your glory that you who created all things and by your hands formed life itself, became vulnerable and allowed us to hold you. And oh God, that you in the beginning breathed breath spirit life, into all things. 
And in this moment, in the coming of the Christ child, drew breath. Oh, wow. So that we might know your love. Love that stretches long before us and goes after us into eternity. Fill us with a sense of wonder, of grace upon grace upon grace, of your everlasting love. We pray in the name of Jesus, the word become flesh.